This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 2nd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The EPA's Clean Power Plan raises serious questions about how much power federal agencies should have to issue expensive, far-reaching regulation on states, even in the face of ongoing litigation over constitutional bona fides. Andrew Grossman, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, provides an update on the legal wrangling. One of the most interesting things about this uh, EPA regulation that uh, you and I have discussed in the past is that it seems not to hinge upon being upheld by a court in order for the executive branch to get its way with respect to the kinds of energy investments that states are going to make over the next several decades. That's exactly right. The whole idea here um, is to change the facts on the ground before any court has the opportunity to rule on the merits of the clean power plan. And the way this works is you require states to overhaul their entire electricity generating sectors. And to do that, it requires years worth of lead time to the point that states right now are focusing on making the kinds of decisions about plant retirements, uh, about utility approvals, about transmission capacity, things that uh, as a practical matter are going to be irreversible. And if they make those decisions, then the facts on the ground change and the case becomes, the legal case that is, becomes much less significant. Okay. So with that as a backdrop, where does this legal case now stand? Well, there's a lot of emphasis right now on what's called the stay stage of the case. EPA finally got the rule out the door last Friday. And already uh, a number of parties, including 26 states, have brought have filed suit in the D.C. Court of Appeals um, to, uh, ch- to, to strike down uh, this regulation as being both uh, unsupported by statutory authority as well as violating the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. And all of those states, as well as a number of private parties, have asked the court to stay the rule. In other words, to put a hold on it while the legal proceedings continue so that you don't have this effect where EPA is able to lock in its policy changes before judicial review. And the court just yesterday set a briefing schedule for the case, um, which will see the entire stay stage briefed uh, slightly before Christmas, and we can expect a decision sometime early in 2016. Even with the requests for a stay, have states begun even during comment periods to shift their resources or begin to do the necessary groundwork to begin making the kinds of investments that uh, this rule would require them to do? Unfortunately, a lot of states really have no choice. It takes years to permit new uh, to permit new generating capacity. It takes years to engage in capacity planning processes. And it takes years to plan and construct transmission capacity as well. And when you're talking about integrating something like wind power or solar power, there is so much planning work and so much integration work that has to go with that, that yes, uh, states have already begun taking this into account in their utility regulations. And I think that that raises a, another interesting issue, which is in every other instance where the federal government uh, has one of these so-called cooperative federalism programs like the Clean Air Act usually is, they tell states, either you do it. In other words, you can choose how you want to regulate. And if you don't want to, we'll step in and do it. And that way, the federal government isn't simply ordering the states to do things. It's giving them the choice of doing them if they would like to. But this is very different because EPA lacks the authority to undertake these kinds of planning and utility regulatory activities. And so states are left in this position where even if they don't want to play ball with EPA, even if they think that this entire thing is completely unlawful, they still have to be the ones carrying out federal policy to make sure the lights don't go out. When you say that this uh, portion of this will be resolved in 2016, you're talking about just this narrow sort of opening stage of litigation. Right. This litigation will continue for years. But 
there are really two important decision points here. The first one is going to be in early 2016 when the DC Circuit decides whether or not to put the rule on hold. If it does put the rule on hold, that is likely the last word on the Clean Power Plan for the rest of the Obama administration because the litigation over this is going to run for several years. Um, it, there's also a possibility that if a Republican is elected to the White House uh, in 2016, that could in fact be the end of the Clean Power Plan because it could be uh, via regulation undone. Um, the other key decision point is going to come several years after that. And everybody thinks that there's a very high likelihood that these issues will wind up in the Supreme Court. And when that court, you know, that court at the end of the day is going to have the final say uh, on whether or not this rule is ultimately upheld. And will that question be before the court, this idea that certain regulations, though eventually thrown out because of the long schedule of legal challenges, uh, that there's a problem with allowing the executive branch to get its way even in the face of regulation that may be blatantly unconstitutional. I think that's right. The the Supreme Court in very rare cases has granted stays uh, when you have this kind of irreparable harm and where you have very serious legal questions about whatever the underlying governmental action is. Uh, we've seen that we've seen in fact the court using that power increasingly uh, in cases involving uh, the Obamacare contraception mandate. Um, recently the court entered a stay regarding the um, legal challenges against Governor Bob McDonald of Virginia and I think there's a high likelihood that if the D.C. Circuit decides that this rule isn't going to be put on hold pending the, the, the litigation, that the petitioners are going to raise that question to the Supreme Court and really the court could decide it either way. The, the, the amount of money that's at stake here, the amount of intrusion on its traditional state authorities, uh, the commandeering and coercion of the states that's at issue, these are all things I think that would give a number of the justices great pause. Even in those other cases you mentioned though, these are things that don't require massive investment on the part of a state necessarily. That's right. And it really, you know, when you think about asking a court for an extraordinary relief like taking a rule and putting it on hold, what you always think about are the equities of it. Um, you know, how does it look in terms of fundamental fairness? And I think any observer who looks at this would say, well, there are very serious questions about the ultimate legality of what it is that EPA is doing here. And it would simply be unfair to make parties comply with this at enormous expense and enormous intrusion on state sovereignty uh, while the issue is being litigated and it could come out either way. Andrew Grossman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Read or subscribe to Regulation Magazine at our website, cato.org.